The following message is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe can be found at axechurchleander.com. The reading for today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verses 60 through 69. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit, and they are life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. This is the word of the Lord. Well, again, hi, guys. Uh, we are in a series called Full of Grace and Truth, and that comes straight out of John. It's talking about how Jesus was full of grace and truth and how he offers that to us. And so every week we're kind of going back and forth between what does grace look like, what does truth look like. Uh, And for me, truth, I've always had an interesting relationship with because I have a crazy large imagination. In fact, one of the favorite things of road trips for me growing up was I could just stare out the window and I wouldn't actually look at the birds, the trees, or anything else. It was a time for me to just actively daydream about different things. I would daydream that I was Superman or that I was Wolverine. I would come up with entire worlds in my mind. I remember there was a road trip I was taking with my sister once, and it was just her and I in the car, and she asked me, she's like, Josh, what are you thinking about? And I told her about this world that I had come up with in my own head, and about all the different characters and the places and the fantastical creatures that were in it, and like only a sister can, she looks at me and she says, that's weird. And I'm like, oh, thanks, Rachel. But she's like, no, 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 not weird in a bad way, weird in a good way. She said, have you ever thought about writing any of that down? And that's how I started writing stories. That's how I got into writing Tyrants and Traitors, cough, cough, <coughs> self-plug, um, uh, stuff like that, right? My imagination was a good thing in that area. But my imagination also came with some hang-ups. In fact, from some of my earliest memories are coming downstairs with a hurt leg, and I would come to my mom and I would say, Mom, my leg is sore. I think I have cancer right? It wasn't reality. I didn't have cancer, but in my mind, I could stir myself up. I could go crazy in my own head thinking that this was reality. And whether or not it was reality or not, to me, in my own spot, it was. And when we talk about truth, that's really what we're getting after. It's what reality is to us. It's what we think it is to us. And when we ever put ourselves at the center of anything— whether it be reality or sin or love or anything, that starts to break down. That's literally how sin infests us. And it starts to distort how we see the world. I was talking to a uh, pastor friend of mine a couple of weeks ago about 2020 and just where his people were at and where our people were at. And he said this quote. He says, I'm seeing Christians afraid. And in response clinging to what they trust in the most. And it isn't always Jesus. I'm seeing that a lot, quite frankly, in my own life, in a bunch of different ways, right? So I can be afraid that I'm going to catch the virus. And that terror holds me tight. 
right? And it tells me truths and it tells me lies, right? It takes truth and it distorts them. Or maybe I'm not afraid that I'm going to get COVID. Maybe I'm afraid that COVID is going to take something away from me. It's going to take the economy away, or it's going to take what other people think of me away, or it's going to take my individual rights away. And whatever that fear is that I'm scared of, ultimately what it means is I'm more afraid of something than I am entrusting in God. Now don't get me wrong, God gives us minds, he gives us brains, he gives us discernment so we can know how to handle certain situations. I am not terrified of fire if I'm around a campfire, but I'm also wise enough to realize I'm not going to stick my hand in the middle of it, right? Fear in and of itself can be healthy when it's just setting up healthy boundaries, but so often fear moves to terror. And the reason why terror comes in is because we've created our own reality. We've no longer let God be God. Something else is a little g God in our life, whether it's the economy or my health or what people think of me or 10,000 other little g gods we have in our life. And that becomes our reality. And yet what we find in Scripture is that truth is God's reality. And his reality doesn't play by our rules. God's reality says the first shall be last and the last shall be first. That is definitely not my reality. That's not the world's reality. That's not what I see on social media or on the news. And yet God says truth is the first shall be last and the last shall be first. God's reality says when someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to them the other. God's reality says, how often should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? And he says 77 times, seven times. God's reality does not play by the reality of our rule, of our world. That's what the gospel reading was all about. Jesus was talking about God's reality and how it was different from the world's. And eventually, most of his followers were like, you know what? I don't want to play by the, rea- the, wor- the rules of this reality. I don't believe in this reality. That's not truth to me. And so most of the followers leave Jesus because it's a hard truth. And yet his disciples, when he asks them, are you going to leave me too? They respond by saying, you, there's nowhere else for us to go. It's you or bust. You hold the words of eternal life, something true, something beautiful, something that transcends even the rules of this world. You want to see what that looks like? Jesus was with his disciples. He sends them across a lake. They're in a boat. In the middle of the night, Jesus comes walking out on water. He says this, Shortly before dawn, Jesus went to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. This is a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Right? God's reality literally breaks the rules of the reality that we know. And not only for God, but there's an invitation for us to enter into that reality as well. Right? Peter responds, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on water, and came towards Jesus. 
Jesus invited Peter into God's reality when he walked on water. And think how powerful that is, right? Like, if you were to say, or if me and you are in a boat, and I'm like, hey, AJ, Tanner, hop out of the boat, walk on water, don't worry, Isaac Newton doesn't exist, it's fake news, gravity, it's, you're going to be fine, right? You would look at me, all of you, and be like, Josh, I, I, think, I think you need some help. I, I think maybe some counseling, maybe some time away, whatever it is, you, you need to calm down because that's not how reality works. And yet, when God states his reality into existence, Peter walks on water. See, God's reality doesn't just transcend ours. It's the only reality there is. It's the only truth that matters. Because whatever we spin up in our own mind, whatever our own echo chambers come up with, it's not real. It can't save us. It can't protect us. But conversely, our God can save us, our God can protect us, and when he speaks his reality into existence, he invites us to be able to participate in that, and there is protection there, and strength there, and truth there. Right? But it's hard, because our own reality is continually battling around us. That's what happens as this gospel reading goes on. But when he, being Peter, saw the wind, he was afraid when he saw the world around him, when he saw the world's reality around him, the wind, the waves, the newscasts, the P&L sheets, he looks around and he begins to sink. He cries out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out with his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? You see, Peter left God's reality when he took his eyes off Jesus. And right now, it's really, really easy to take our eyes off Jesus. When we're trying to discern what is true and what is not, what is healthy fear and what gets into the land of terror and terrified, it is so freaking easy to take our eyes off Jesus, to take our eyes off God's reality, God's promises, God's assurance, God's truth, and, and to turn to, to the world. And when we do that, that echo chamber starts up again, and we leave God's truth. When we take our eyes off Jesus, we're exiting the reality that God has for the world, right? And when we talk about truth, it's hard, it's complicated, but there is a, a fallacy that I find myself falling into a lot. Come, this comes from Ephesians, and it says this, So I tell you this, and Paul is writing to the church, and insist on it to the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, those who don't have Jesus in their life, in the futility of their thinking. You see, they have darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God. Why? Because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. It talks about the futility of thinking that comes from the hardening of our hearts. You see, truth is a heart issue. And in my own mind, I can convince myself, no, 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 I just do the facts. I just do the data. 
I just go after truth. But the problem is, you see, I have a grid in my head that interprets those facts. And that grid will always confirm whatever bias that I have inside of me in my sinful nature. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine, older pastor friend, he's in his 60s now, and he talks about this grid that he has, and he wrestles with truth and reality. He goes, because Josh, I have 60 years of thinking and understanding, and then when something comes in that doesn't agree with that grid that I've built up, it gets filtered through that, and it changes truth. It changes how he sees reality. And some of that grid is good. Some of that grid is from God, and some of that grid is not from God. And all of us have that grid. And so we lie to ourselves. The truth is not in us when we put ourselves above reality and say, no, by myself, I can interpret what is true and what is not. No, you can't. No, I can't. We're all in the same boat. We're all wrestling with what is true in the world today. Why? Because we're all still broken. We still have a sin problem that has darkened our hearts and isn't letting us see what real reality, what God's reality is. But church, family, I have got really good news. God has a way for us to engage with his reality for us to draw closer to who he is, what he's doing, what he's saying about the world, not from the world's perspective, not from a media outlet's perspective, not from my own perspective, but from God's perspective. And we see that in Romans 12. In Romans 12, Paul is writing to the early church, and he says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, because of everything that God has done for you, because of who Jesus is dying for you, even when you were still in broken thinking, right? In view of all of that, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. He says, this is your true and proper worship. Because if you want to worship God, It's not just in song. It's not just in coming to a church service or tuning in online. He goes, if you want to have holy and pleasing and true worship, do this. No longer conform anymore to the pattern of this world, right? So we're moving from what the world is doing, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You'll be able to discern truth. You'll be able to discern what God wants you to do in a specific moment. And how do we do that? He says, by the renewing of your mind, being transformed by that. That word in Greek for renew is the same word you would have for renovating a building. And it's an active process. Sometimes as Christians, we can think, oh, I already know who Jesus is, so I can already get this right. It's not a one-and-done moment, according to Paul. It is an active transformation, an active renovation of our mind coming before God and saying, you know what? I know my grid has some problems, and I can't see those problems. I know it's so built into how I operate that I don't even think straight. So God, I'm asking you to come in and to renovate my mind, 
to take out the head trash that's not of you and to put in the reality that is your reality, that transcends all this worldly baloney malarkey that we see every day. All this head trash that I get wound up in. And again, in 2020, it is the year of head trash. It is the year of junk that's not of God that is so permeated that we have a hard time discerning truth. And God says, guys, I have a plan for you. Invite me into this moment. Help me renovate. Let me renovate your mind. And then he will help us discern what is good and what is true. And what's beautiful is then Paul actually walks through, and if you want to know how to renovate your mind, immediately following this, he gives us a pattern for how to do it. Again, continuing on in Romans 12, this is 3 through 8 now. For by grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than not, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So it starts off by saying, don't think of yourself better than everyone else. Don't think of yourself smarter than everyone else, someone who already has all the answers, but instead to think of yourself with sober judgment in relation to everyone else God has placed in with you. And he's talking about the church right now, right? But then he goes on, for each of us, has one body with many members, and these members do not belong and all have the same function, so it is with Christ. We, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts, Paul says, according to the grace given to me or given to each of us. So if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's leading, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Paul's answer to how we renovate our mind is by seeking God's reality in Christian community. You see, when we as the body of Christ come together, not just on Sunday morning, to pray and to reflect, to ask forgiveness and to sing, but when we as the body of Christ live as the body of Christ together and together seek to renovate our minds and to believe that God is going to use the church to help us understand what is true and what is pure and what is good, to realize that God is speaking to me and through me, but he's also speaking to you and through you, and so we need each other. We need each other to discern what is good and pleasing in Christian community. And so the lane of God is not, okay, God's lane is quote-unquote spiritual things or prayer things or it makes me feel good in my heart. No, God's lane is all of reality. Every problem that we have in the United States, every problem that we have in the world is God's reality. And every solution that we have of how we go forward as a church, how we think about things, how we act on things, God says, if you want to renovate your mind in those areas, do it in Christian community. Sharpen one another. Encourage one another. Challenge one another. Renovate your minds as the church together. And I need your input. This isn't, okay, so whatever Josh's best thinking is today, no, forget that. Trust me, we're in a lot of trouble if it all ends with me. But together, if we are the church seeking to be renovated, seeking to engage with data and 
with reality and with communities and together coming and saying we want to learn from one another and we want to look at ourselves with sober judgment, not thinking of ourselves better than or smarter than or already have arrived, but instead to put all that down and say, you know what, together we want to renovate our mind. Together we want to discuss and we want to figure out who God is and what God is doing. And we all do that together. We all come before the cross with broken thinking, with a grid that doesn't work the way it's supposed to, and yet we have a God who says, and I forgive you, and I love you. And then he says, come out of the boat. Come into my reality. And if you take your eyes off me, it's okay, I'll catch you. But we're going to stay here now with Jesus, and we're going to do it together. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at axechurchleander.com.